Hello and welcome to the podcast on reducing emissions through electrification. I'm Lee Tushler, Executive Editor with Design World and EE World Online. Joining us today is Martin Schultz, Global Principal Application Engineer with Little Fuse Europe. Prior to joining Little Fuse, Martin was an application engineer with Infineon Technologies. He has a doctorate from the University of Siegen in Germany where he specialized in power electronics, a field in which he has also been granted several patents. Today Martin is speaking with us about some of the engineering issues that arise in the quest to design energy efficient vehicles. Hello Martin, thanks for joining us. Hi Lee, thanks for having me here. Indeed. Well, Martin, there's a lot of interest in electric and hydrogen-fueled cars, but perhaps not as much in clean fuel for big trucks. Why should people care about clean trucking? So one misunderstanding first, a fuel cell car or hydrogen car is an electric vehicle as well, just the matter of storing the energy is different. So trucking is important, and trucking contains literally is a synonym for all the heavy-duty vehicle stuff, so it contains buses as well. and put it from that perspective we have less than 10 percent of the vehicles on the road are heavy duty vehicles yet they consume and more than 25 percent of the gasoline and thus are responsible for more than 25 percent of the emissions on the that are generated in traffic and on the road so if we can electrify this class of vehicles well we get rid of 25 percent of the emissions caused in traffic so what does a drivetrain look like in an electrified heavy duty truck Interestingly, if you draw them in a schematic, they're no really different from a drivetrain in a passenger car. You've got a typically three-phased motor, be it um, brushless DC, permanent magnet, or asynchronous machine, driven by a plain six-pack. So from schematics, you won't even notice the difference until you write the numbers onto it. So for trucks, we're talking about drivetrain powers for every wheel for several hundred kilowatts, potentially. Keep in mind that trucks also contain those huge dumpsters in mining operations which have drivetrains up to the megawatt regime. And the more difficult thing for the designer is that a passenger car isn't really used a lot. So a typical passenger car is designed to operate 8,000 hours at about one hour a day, which is a worldwide average, a very robust number. That's good enough to operate 20 years in service. On a truck or bus, you do potentially 8, 10, 12 hours operation every day, which means a bus or truck consumes one passenger car lifetime every two years. But it's supposed to operate for 20 years. You need something that lasts 10 times the lifetime of a passenger car. And I understand there's some special issues when it comes to charging an electrified heavy-duty truck. Can you explain those problems? Yeah, that's a matter of scale. If you want to go 100 kilometers in your passenger car, you need something like 20 kilowatt hours. Once consumed, then you plug into a current charger like 100 kilowatt. Well, it's refilled in about a fifth of an hour, eight minutes, and you're done. Maybe 10 minutes. If you try to refill a truck, well, rule of thumb, you, you need two kilowatt hours to go 100 kilometers, and you want to do a distance of 400 to 600 kilometers per charge. So you need something that can refill 600 to 800 kilowatt hours in a reasonable time. And reasonable is anything that fits into the lunch break of the driver. So if you want to replenish 400 kilowatt hours or 600 kilowatt hours in a half an hour, well, you need a megawatt capable charger. 
So simply it scales up and getting a megawatt into batteries also is challenging for any sort of wire, any sort of connection. You need to cope with the losses with the heat generated. Currently for high power vehicles, charging standards target up to 1,500 volts for the batteries and up to 3,000 amps of charging current. So that would be good enough to charge 100 passenger cars in parallel. Here's your stress for the designers of charging systems. Power scales up, losses scale up, thermal management scales up, and the vehicle manufacturer somehow has to provide means to get this enormous sort of energy or power into the batteries. So yes, that's a challenge. On the upside, you could say, well, if your battery has 600 kilowatt hours, then charging at one and a half megawatt is just 2C charging. Well, that's scale to passenger car, piece of cake. That means charging a 50 kilowatt hour battery on 100 kilowatts. So the dimensions change, but the challenges grow. Well, I'd hate to get a shock from one of those thousand volt charging systems. <laughs> <laughs> You would be supercharged in a flash. Yes, I'm afraid so. I understand there's also potential issues regarding what happens when a fuel cell-powered heavy-duty truck needs more hydrogen. Can you walk us through those? Yeah, hydrogen is a different story. Hydrogen itself isn't a source of energy. It's just an energy carrier. So you need to store this energy somehow, which means you need a refilling station. And to get a reasonable energy density, hydrogen needs to be compressed to very high ratios. For passenger cars, we talk about something like 700 bar. For commercial vehicles, slightly less, 300 to 500 bars. But to get a car running 100 kilometers, it takes one kilogram of hydrogen to get a truck running 100 kilometers, you need something like five kilograms of hydrogen. So in, in essence, to refuel this, this large-scale vehicle, you would have to dump into it something like 40 or 50 kilograms of hydrogen to make it a long-haul capable vehicle. And here comes the technical issue. The filling stations have an intermediate storage at high pressure. Once it's depleted, it takes some time to refill. And this can take something like, you get five kilograms in five minutes, perfect for passenger car, but then the station takes 10 to 15 or even 20 minutes to refill the intermediate tank. So if you want this station to fill in 50 kilograms, well, you have 10 times five minutes for recharging, but 10 times 20 minutes for repressurizing. So that would not simply add up. So there needs to be a different sort of infrastructure to refuel high-power vehicles. Very similar to the charger challenge, it's the same with hydrogen challenge. If you take your hydrogen passenger car to the station and pick up five kilograms, well, technically, not an issue. If you approach the very same thing with your truck and you want to refill 20 or 30 kilograms, well, take a day off. That's interesting. Martin, just out of curiosity, how big a hydrogen tank does a heavy-duty truck have to have? Is it comparable to the size of a gasoline tank, or does it have to be bigger? Well, it needs to be a lot bigger. A rolling example is the Toyota Mirai. That's a car that can carry along four kilograms of hydrogen, and to do so, it carries tanks that have 125 kilograms in weight, just the tanks. So 
if you would use the same construction and just pile it up, you end up with something like one and a half tons of empty tanks to carry 50 kilograms of hydrogen. Of course, if you build bigger tanks, this equalizes a little, but don't get confused. 50 kilograms of hydrogen is a huge amount. To get you a number, you know those long-haul trucks for transporting uh, diesel or gasoline to the station that can carry 40 tons of diesel, which is something like almost 50,000 liters. A truck that size can carry 600 kilograms of pressurized hydrogen. Hmm. Kind of a rolling gas tank there. <laughs> oh, well, that's, that's currently state-of-the-art, but actually, yeah, the hydrogen mystery is that hydrogen has the highest energy density of all elements per kilogram. But it's combined with having the lowest gravimetric density of all elements. So the numbers are breathtaking. A cubic meter of plain air is 1.2 kilogram. Cubic meter of hydrogen is 86 gram. Quite a difference. That's true. Well, Martin, even hydrogen-powered vehicle infrastructure, a lot of the design work involves power semiconductors. What factors are important when you're planning the circuitry that governs hydrogen power plants or refueling? If you build this gas station, it's primarily a building that has all the electronic gadgets you use from any other station. So you need, of course, efficient illumination and all the utility-scale things. In addition, you need to power a compressor to fill this intermediate tank, which is something that you want to be in the smallest possible size. And with electric motors, the power you can harvest is always the product of rotational speed and torque. And the trick that machine builders do is they grow the speed so that they can reduce the torque, which means if you want a compressor for hydrogen to be quick enough to power uh, or to repressurize this intermediate tank, you don't use those two-cylinder compressors that you use for pressurizing tires. You have something that looks like a turbo compressor, and it runs on very high speed, something like 30 or 40,000 turns a minute. So you need a power section that can cope with this demand of generating this high fundamental frequency. And this is potentially possible with IGBTs, but it would also be a good candidate for MOSFETs, particularly or potentially even uh, silicon carbide or other wide band gap materials to allow smooth operation while at the same time allow a speedy startup. You don't want to ramp this up slowly. You want to push the button and the whole thing starts uh, with literally full power. So the acceleration is high, the power requirement is high, and combining this, you would find something like uh, maybe a 100 kilowatt compressor, but to start and accelerate it, you need a 300 kilowatt drive. Don't blame me if the numbers aren't 100% correct, but the scale is correct. Interesting. And of course, in a hydrogen environment, you also need to consider that everything that handles electricity has to be explosion-proof or explosion-protected. You don't want to have mechanic switches that can draw an arc when operated, so you need to consider that you potentially have to turn off in a hazardous event which means you don't want any sparks to happen that could potentially ignite the hydrogen. Yeah, I hate when that happens. Well, Martin, we're out of time. Okay. But thank you very much for that. That was very interesting. Uh, 
It's like we got a lot of work to do before engineers could really make electrification completely practical. Yeah, we got thrilling times ahead in electrifying traffic, both in passenger cars and traffic with uh, heavy-duty vehicles. And, well, there's quite some potential that I hope we'll see changing in the future. So again, thanks for having me, and have a good time. Thank you, Martin. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in. Have a good day.